Oh my goodness. Wow, wow, wow. Hey. Finally getting hey, good it. Morning. Good morning. How, How are you doing today? <laughs> I I am good. How are you doing this morning? Better. Better Dad. than Friday. But yeah, yeah. I'm good. Dad doing. He's doing okay. He has to get extra blood work done today, but he's feeling better walking around and stuff. So that's good. Good. Did they keep him overnight or just? No, he came home Friday at like five, I think, something like that. Okay. <clears throat> um, yeah, yeah, then we had a big slip and slide party on Saturday and he was able to come out and sit and watch the kids slide. But yeah, he's doing better. Good, good. Well, good morning, everybody. Fallon and Crystal are here with our Dirty Coffee Talk. <laughs> I almost called it a live show, but, you know, we won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, gosh. So from Friday, did you have anything that you wanted to kind of talk about? I know that when we ended, you kind of said that you had forgotten a few things that had happened to you because I brought up some memories. Yeah, so it's just weird how when how you suppress memories, you know, like things that have happened to you, you suppress those. And then when someone else brings up a similar situation, it's like all this stuff comes flooding back to you. So when mm -hmm. you started talking about um, the situation with the car and him breaking out your windshield, yeah, um, something similar happened to me when I was with my ex narcissist, Kyle, and we had been fighting and he was like chasing me around the house. So I was like, I got to get out of here, you know, and mm -hmm. it kind of got to the point where that happened so much that I always like I had a pair of clothes in there, an extra set of contacts, like a toothbrush, just whatever I needed for one night, you know, and yep. I hid it so that I could just grab and go anytime. And I was, I got to the point also where I was like hiding my purse so that he couldn't take my keys. And, but anyway, um, that one particular time, this was like maybe, eight or nine months after we started, um, dating and we were living together, <clears throat> chased me out of the house. I got in my car to leave and he jumps on the hood of the car and starts beating the windshield. Didn't break it, but I wasn't, I couldn't stop. It was like either he's going to get hurt or I'm going to get hurt, but mm -hmm. I have to get out. It's like you get into this fight or flight mode, you know? And no, I just remember no. him standing on the hood of the car, like a gorilla, just beating the windshield screaming yeah. and you get into this mindset where you're like oh my gosh it's yeah. in your head you know yeah but it's kind of it's kind of ironic because I watch a lot of TikTok videos about um, narcissism and stuff like that just to educate myself and a couple weeks ago I saw a video about a girl that was um talking about the go bag and I was like well crap I thought I was the only one that did that <laughs> you well, know no. oh no but we've, I, yeah, we've was, put slits in your fat in your mattress and you stuff money in there and you get a to go right. bag and you're like where can I jump out my window the fastest yeah and that just becomes your normal it's not like, crazy it's like that's your safety your comfort blanket or whatever because yeah you have to go you know you're ready yeah and what's sad is in our mind that is our, like you said, it's our safety net. Like, I can leave at any time. But right. why the hell do we go back? Why the hell do right. we go back? When you yeah. pack, when it's come to that point where you're packing a bag and you know you have an exit strategy, 
What right. the fuck is wrong Not with you? Go back. Right. But it's kind of like the other day when we were talking about it, like you just feel like you can't, like this is right. in the moment thing and you just feel like you can't leave for good because if he's going to chase me after a fight, what is he going to do if I try to leave? You right. know? Right. No, I, I totally, I know that. You know, what's crazy is, you know, I'll, I have people who are like, well, why now? How, how far did it get to you to where you could actually talk about this without it affecting you? Huh. Right. This happened in 2009, 2010, and I could not talk about it without having an emotional attachment or breakdown or the fear right. coming back to me until about 2016 when we moved to Colorado Springs. Right. Um. I remember when we moved to North Dakota, I think the kids, when was that? 2011, 2012? Had have been 2012, something like that. We were driving down just one of the roads there in Williston. And right next to us was this guy on his Harley. My kids and I both all swear to God, it was him. It was Carl. Oh. And I mean, those kids hit that floorboard in that car, and I cried because I was like, how the hell did I let my kids get the fear of God? Like, that's terrible. Right. Yeah. And, you know, my son looked at me, and he was like, is that him? And I said, I think so. And he goes, oh, my God, Mom. And he hit the floorboard. Oh. And at that moment, I was like, I did the right thing. Yeah. Either I leaving and escaping from my life there in Montrose, Colorado, I did the right thing. I had to. Right. And I, I think, like you said, you know, you get into that routine of leaving. And of course, nowadays we have cell phones, you know, so it's constantly like call until the phone goes dead. Right find you and then they're like I'm so sorry I'll never do it again I don't know what's wrong with me and they're crying and they're playing their well one to me right so you know I mean a lot of times like you just detach yourself from the situation because at, at one point his crocodile tears never affected me it was like this is complete bullshit and I don't believe you so all I was concerned about at that point was just trying to get out for good and none of that really worked after a while but in the beginning it's like a cycle you know there's like four different phases to the cycle and yeah. you know the love bombing and the manipulating and each cycle is a form of manipulation but at some point you just yourself and it doesn't affect you and then you become a cold person like nothing affects you you know yeah which isn't yeah. a really a good thing but it's just how we cope I think yeah it's we get numb yeah. at the end of it so one thing that I wanted to go over I know we're gonna have a lot of listeners coming in um I want I would like to hit some different notes on the, the different types of abuse um not just narcissism, but, you know, with abuse, you have the physical and the mental. And a lot of people mm -hmm. know the difference between physical and mental. 
now comes more emotional. Right. So emotional abuse for me was more like the verbal, you're, you're never going to amount to anything. Mm-hmm. Nothing's good enough. You know, um, the one thing that used to get me and I, I used to want to punch him in the face is the try harder, do better, yeah. try harder. Oh, oh. I can't yeah. even tell you how much. If somebody was to tell me that now, I'd, I'm not a violent person, but I would probably deck them. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not, that's not okay. Yeah. Um, being told, you know, um, your dreams, something that you've wanted to do and you've had a goal in mind and your dreams are a hobby. Right. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your money. Um, never being told good job. I'm super proud of you. That's awesome. Never. Amazing. Um, never being told you're beautiful. That looks so good on you. God, those pants look great on you. Yes. We hear it from our girlfriends. We hear it from our family and we hear it from our kids, but the one person that you're supposed to dress up for and to look presentable with and to go out on a date night with you say, Oh, well, does this look okay? And they go, eh, what, what the fuck does that mean? Why yeah. are you wearing that? You shouldn't be wearing yeah. that. Are you going to go with yeah. your hair like that? Mm-hmm. Now. <laughs> Did you put on any makeup today? Yeah. 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 Is, that, is that really what you're wearing? Uh, no, I should, should I, I should probably go change. So it's, constantly always second guessing yourself emotional abuse is something that we already are hard on ourselves pants make me look fat I have rolls under my bra I have stretch marks I have whatever you know oh my god my tooth is loose or I have a cracked tooth and somebody's going to see it like we are already our biggest critics right I tell that to my, my clients every day. You know, your skin looks great. Please stop using so much makeup. We yeah. can get those scars diminished if we can do this. But you are your biggest critic. Your mirror is not your best friend. Right. So, But then you start believing it. It's like, oh, yeah. After I got with Sam, he's he's like making my dreams come true you know and he tells me he's proud of me all the time and like he wants me to like my mind has been so warped that I think he's doing that like to be spiteful when he's really just being a genuine person so when he's telling me like I'm so proud of you I'm congratulations on doing this podcast that's really brave you know whatever and in my mind I'm like does he really mean that is he being sarcastic like is he trying to undercut me with these comments all the stuff that you you don't need to think but you're just conditioned to think that yeah being treated good is like wearing a shoe that's brand new. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I'm just waiting for the blisters to come to the back of my heel. Right. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, like you don't want to accept the compliments because like we feel like it's going to backfire. Right. You're like, my shoe's too comfortable. Yeah. So when is, when is my blisters going to come? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, a friend of mine that I'm talking to, um, he's that way. I remember, 
the first, not the, well, yeah, it was about the first compliment he gave me. And he was like, you are so beautiful. I cried. Because yeah, for nine makes, years, makes I never cringe. Yeah. Right. I'm like, but, but am I though? Right. Are you sure? It sounds so <laughs> silly, but like, what I, I've read a lot about this, but the, the emotional and the mental damage can actually change the chemicals in your brain. So yeah. if you have, I think it's cortisol, like if you're always in fight or flight mode all the time, your cortisol yeah. levels are off. Yeah. So that actually changes your brain chemistry. And it's not that you're just messed up. It's because your brain was actually conditioned for so long that now it yeah. functions differently than it's supposed to. Well, and I think so that comes like with everything thing. in life too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're conditioned from when we're little, you know. Oh, well, I mean, we're older. So we grew up with kids. Like, we didn't call it bullying back then in the day. We called it teasing making fun of me uh-huh. um and I remember your mom's always used to say oh if they're if they're if those boys are picking on you they like you we're conditioned right. we're conditioned stupidly to believe right. that you know if the boys are picking on you or teasing you they like you right and that's a possibility I mean you know, some kids, some boys and some girls, they do, you know, have a flirtatious side of doing it. And boys can be a little bit rougher than girls. But it's also parenting. Like, you should know that there's a difference between pulling a girl's hair, tripping her down the hallway, and opening the door for her. Like, there's a difference. Right. And I think it comes from an innocent place. Like, I don't think most parents like mean to right like mean it you know what I mean I think it comes from an innocent place but at the same time you're right like that's letting us know well if a boy hits on me or makes fun of me then he likes me and that's exactly the opposite right right so in I remember in high school like all of I mean our boys when I was in junior high and high school um and if you guys are ever listening to this, please know I love you now dearly. <laughs> but man, I hated you guys in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I hated every single one of the kids in my high school, all the boys. Maybe a few that I hung out with that I was like, ah, I'm okay to be your friend, but I'll never date you. Um, it was it was rough because you're like I said, you're you're always thought in the back of your mind, oh, if they're teasing me, they like me. But I'll tell you what, sometimes. Sometimes those teasings can kill a fucking kid in a heartbeat. Right. Because I'm telling you, your years, your junior high and your high school, you're just trying to figure out who you are and what your place is in life. And everything is now. Right. That's why we celebrate one-week relationships, two-week relationships, a month relationship is because we are living in the now. Right. When you have a guy that, you know, you think, oh, my God, he's super cute, even in high school, but he's being super fucking hateful. Right. It's like, are you just an asshole to be an asshole? Because if you like me, you should just tell me. If not, just leave me the hell alone. Right. I never dated any of the guys in my high school. I dated two. They were from different states. So I never dated anybody that I actually grew up with. <laughs> oh, Really? Oh, no. I was like, I know you. I know you. 
your family, I know your cousins, I know your sister, I know your mom. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was really hard in a small town to grow up with kids that you you grew up with and I couldn't date any of them. I so couldn't, I have a question I, for you. Okay. What do you um what do you think is like the one most like the most abusive verbal comment that will stick with you forever is it the do better try harder thing or is there something that he said to you that will always make you cringe you know that one came from josh Uh and i know at the beginning he meant well i do i know you know it's do better try harder than you did yesterday right but after seven years of hearing that, oh, my God. You know, I used to think it was the you're never going to amount to shit. Well, fucker, look at me. Look at me now. Yeah. Yeah. I did it. That just makes you want to try harder. Right. Mm-hmm. That alone makes you not want to fail. And one thing I learned in business class a long time ago was if you, the fear that you have to open a business and to succeed and to you know, fail, that fear you have of failing should always be there. Right. You're driven by fear. So the last thing that you want to do is be a failure. Now with Josh, the, (laughs) that, that makes my whole body just, I mean, I can't even tell you the anxiety that I have just seeing those words hearing those words and it is actually a signature of his on his email. Oh, wow. <laughs> so he says that to everybody. Everybody. Mm-hmm. We've had employees quit because they're like, nothing I do is good enough. Right. <clears throat> and, and that's literally how you feel all the time. That's you how know, you feel. Right. You know, I'm not walk. I don't want to be the one that walks around giving trophies out to people who don't deserve it. I believe that people need to work and kids need to work hard to get bonuses and things like that. I I get it. Not every day do I come in here and be like, oh, my God, you guys clean. Thank you so much. It looks great. Thank you. No, if you go above and beyond what your job description is just to help out, just to do something for me or for you speak for Josh, that's when I would be like, I'm so appreciative of you. Right. Thank you so much. Um. But that, that's probably one of the ones that I, I just, I don't ever want to hear it again. Right. Yeah. Even if it is coming from someone who means well, you know? Yeah. But I know what you mean when you say, like, nothing is good enough. I could literally, like, Kyle could say, hey, I need you to do this, this, and this. And I do it exactly the way and in the order that he says. And then he comes back and he's like, why did you do it that way? Yep. <laughs> And, and it fucks with you so bad because it's like, I did exactly what you said, word for word, in the way you wanted it done. Yeah. And, and you like, it was just dumbfounding to me because it's like, I'm doing just what you wanted me to do. Yeah. And it's still not good enough. And I, I remember I would get so frustrated because it's like, what do you want from me? I will never be good enough. And I'm a human. Right. You have you ever, I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you, but when you worked with him, 
So I know he he owned a business and you were kind of there as the helper or whatever. Um, did he ever hover over you? All the time. Oh, I fucking hate that. Good God. Right. I'm going to blow shit up. I will do it with you in the room. Okay, promise right. you. I do not need we were, you babysitting we me painting. over my door. Right. We were painting um, one time. And he was like, you're not doing it right. And I was doing it exactly the way he showed me, even though I know how to paint a wall. Mm-hmm. And he, we got the whole, it was a kitchen and we got the whole thing done, painted it. It was completed a hundred percent. And he was like, you didn't do good enough. So he literally went over the entire kitchen and did it himself again. Well, at least did it because he had, was hovering <laughs> me the whole time. Yeah. He was hovering me the whole time. Like, you need to do it this way. You need to do it that way. And, yeah. and it's like, why, why did you even ask me to help you if you were going to do right. it yourself anyway? Right. Well, and here's my thing. Why would you ask me to help you if you think that I can't do it and I'm incompetent? Exactly. Yeah. You know, so there was a time in my, my breaking point. This was my absolute breaking point when I had to spend the day in the office for the week with him. And like I said, you know, I built the website, I helped with the back end, everything else. Well, he, we, we both agreed we needed to hand the website over to somebody else who could make it look more professional, which is fine. Uh-huh. But as far as the back end and payments and processing and stuff like that, there are so many things that go along with Kratom processing and everything else that we have to be cautious about. Mm-hmm. So we do e-checks. Well, I've never done an e-check. The girl that was supposed to be there to help me and train me to do her job, that was my employer, my employee, not, you know, I don't work for her. She works for me. Right. She was supposed to teach me how to do this. And he's standing over my shoulder and he's like, don't you fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. What are you doing? What do you mean you don't know how to do this? And I'm like, I, I don't know how to do their job. Right. We don't have SOPs for every person that works in the office, which if you run a GMP facility, you have to have them. Right. She didn't have one and she didn't have a verbatim print, a printout of what it was. I'm trying to train another guy who lives in California how to do this, plus myself. So I had to rewrite while I'm taking phone orders, while I'm in the back office, while I'm processing checks, while I'm processing payments and making sure that all the orders are paid for before they go into shipping, I have to make sure that I'm writing down verbatimly, step-by-step, how to do each process. Right. So that way when I hand it to the other kid, he can look at it and go, oh, yeah, no, I got it. Thank you. Your, your steps make sense. But I'm like, you know what? Mm-mm. You're lucky that I love soap water so much that I will sit here with my anxiety, my sweat driven, my heart breaking, and my I can't breathe moment mm-hmm. to help you. And I'm not helping you, I'm helping my company. Right. I'm not yeah. doing this for you. I don't give a fuck about you. Doing this for my company. Because this is what put food, puts food on my table and everybody else's table. And at the end of that week, I said, I'm not coming in Thursday or Friday. And he's like, what do you mean? Not coming in Thursday or Friday. Why? I physically, mentally cannot come in Thursday or Friday. I literally feel like I run a marathon when I'm in his presence. 
Right. And you still can't win. I can't win. So I yeah. left and we went back to counseling on Tuesday, on Tuesday or Wednesday of that week, that next week. And I was like, I, I need a divorce. I can't, I can't do this. That was my breaking point. And I warned them all ahead of time. You put me in the same office with him right now. That we will not make it. So did you ever do anything that was like a quote unquote against your moral code only because you, you felt like it was your only choice? Um, <clears throat> I mean, drinking and driving. Yeah. For me, yeah. it was when I was finally ready to leave, I had recently gotten really good job and um we had a shared banking bank account mm -hmm. and i was starting to put back money in my own private account and not tell him which is against my moral code because i don't believe in lying to your partner right and right. i in the meantime i was looking for a house to buy i don't know if i mentioned this the other day but i actually like bought a whole house behind his back <laughs> Because that was the only way I knew if I rented, I would end up going back to him. And I was like, this is my only option. I have to buy a house. It's permanent. And he never even knew about it until like after I left, after I moved all my stuff out. And anytime I was going to look at a showing, I'd tell him, oh, hey, you know, I'm, I'm stopping for a drink with my friend after work. And when I was actually looking at a house to buy, you know, and that when was you, against my moral code. Yeah. When you have to become deceitful. And hiding in things that you know that you wouldn't want somebody else to do to you, that's when you know that you're done. And it's not that you're being deceitful and hurtful to them. You are giving yourself the permanent escape route. Right. You know what yep. I mean? Yeah. Um, and I, I, I did that. I came and I actually was staying in my spa for two weeks. I slept in my spa on the floor for two weeks. I would go wake up early in the morning. I would head to my mom's and take a shower and I would come back to work. There's no shower here. You know, I, I did that for two weeks and then my mom said, well, you know, why don't you just stay here? And I'm like, all right. So, you know, I stayed downstairs in the basement with her and stayed there for three weeks until I found my place to live. But I told Josh, I'm going to warn you ahead of time. Right. If you take too long to figure out if I'm worth it, I'm going to be done. I'm going to be right. gone. And there's no coming back. And a couple weeks ago, this happened in November. So a couple weeks ago, he sent me an email. I was apologizing for being an asshole. And I'm like, yeah, you're through two years too late. Two, three years too late. I have no remorse for him, for leaving him. I have no remorse for stopping the situation that I was in. I was severely unhappy. My hair was falling out. I was covered in hives. I was 180 pounds, 185 pounds. Couldn't do it. I was wow. physically killing myself. Yeah. So when I left and in February I had my hysterectomy, I felt like the weight of the world just left my shoulders. And then yep. I 
told him in March that I was done and I wanted the divorce, I was like, oh, I can breathe. My chest doesn't hurt. My heart doesn't hurt. I don't feel like I'm suffocating and drowning underwater anymore. Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. sure you felt the same way when you finally you know, signed the papers for your house and got to move out. You were like, God, this feels really good. Yeah, it was. It did, but at the same time, it was like super scary because all this time, the past five, six years, I've been told that I, I couldn't do anything without him. So mm-hmm. it felt yeah. really good, but at the same time, I was like, "Can I? Like, can I do this?" But I mean, obviously, yeah. I did, and and it's hilarious to me because still to this day, he tells people that he paid for my house when he had no idea I was buying it. No clue. <laughs> and now he's he'll tell people I paid for the down payment on her house. You know I, that was all me, but I didn't even have a down payment because I was a first time home buyer. So right? that alone can't be true. But it it's just funny because he takes all the credit for it and makes himself like the victim. You well, know, and that's what they do. You know, it's the woe unto me. Look at how sad I really am. I, right. It's it's a facade. It's all a facade. You know, nobody knows the true people of who they really are, except for who's been with them behind closed doors. Right. And I can tell you this from a mother's perspective. And I know that there's so much more that I, you know, that we can get into. And we've only got a few minutes left. But um, If it's easy for a step parent to come in and fill a void of a dad or the role of a father or a dad figure or whatever. And, and after eight years, nine years, you've kicked almost every single one of those kids to the curb. Never once have you ever called or texted and said, hey, you know what? I fucked up. I right. love you. I will always love you. No matter how many fights we get into, whatever happens, I'll always be there. I'll always love you. Right. He, li- he literally cannot do that. But he can do the one. But he can't do it to Abby and he can't do it to Seth. Right. I mean, I have my friend who hasn't talked to my kids in nine years. He called my daughter on her birthday and was like, hey, happy birthday. Aw. Gave her a gift card. Like, I'm like, all of the things that somebody doesn't have to do, but he did. Right. And, and I mean, he helped me, like I said, this guy's helped me raise, pretty much raise my kids because <laughs> he was around when Abby was five until uh-huh. she was eight. And then I met Josh. Um, so yeah, it was crazy. It, it's just crazy to see the difference between somebody who's actually wanting to be that dad, that father figure versus somebody who was using me to get better in life. Right. Yeah. You know, and his mom and his family never accepted me truly never yeah truly. I, think I felt that way about Kyle's family too yeah you know what his mom told me one day I don't know why he chose you you're really not his type the fuck oh, wow I know I know you're not drunk right now like what what why would I you say that no way around <laughs> yeah yeah he liked the younger girls he mm. likes the young girls. He likes the, you know, 20-year-olds. I'm like, I, don't, I mean, I don't know why he's with me either. I have three kids. 
Yeah. Huh. You know, but here he is. Right. Here we are. And now I see why. Somebody who came from prison with nothing. Seeing a mom, a single mom with three kids in a four-bedroom apartment who has a brand new car and saw a way out. Right. You know, did Josh really want to marry me? No. No. And that's what sucks. That's the sad thing about it. If somebody really wants to marry you, if somebody really wants to see a future with you, they will propose and they will do it the right way. Right. Yeah. Instead, I really felt like I just drug him down the aisle. Yeah. When Kyle proposed, it was, I think it was Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, which I already thought was cliche, but we had gotten this great big argument because it was the first Christmas that I wasn't going to spend with my parents. And as an adult, I get it, like things happen, but still to me, it was like, that's a special time for me. So I was like a little bit bummed, but I wasn't throwing a big baby fit or anything. And Mm -hmm. so we got into this argument about how I need to grow up because, you know, I'm an adult. My parents aren't going to always be around and bad. Well, quote, felt bad. I don't think he actually did. But then later that evening, he came in right after our fight and proposed to me to try to make things better i'm like no this is the worst thing you could do you know even at that time i mean i did say yes but only because i felt cornered but like at that time i felt wrong about it i was like no i don't want to marry this guy and i ended up calling it off we never did get married but that's another story for another day right so many stories for other days yeah yeah um, well, I know that we've about ran out of time. We've got a minute left. Um, I know that there's ways for you guys to leave comments or, you know, want to call in or want to be a part of the talk show. If you or somebody, you know, is going through something, please always reach out. Crystal and I both are here. We've got, I mean, I've got 12 plus nine years of bullshit. Mm-hmm. To, to work through and I'm sure you've got years of your bullshit to work through right. but um, I mean we could go on and on about our days and our lives as much I mean there's only so much man bashing that somebody can do and that's not right. really what we're trying to do we're trying to give you guys more perspective of different angles to look at things who we are what we've been through and eventually, um, me and Crystal will actually talk about where we are now and how we've come out of things. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to put some notes together afterwards and kind of come up with some other stuff tomorrow and for the rest of the week. You guys are more than willing, more than welcome to call in, hone in, um, message us. We'll figure all that stuff out as we go. But um, for the most of it, that's, uh, I think that's good for the day. What do you think? Yeah, I think it was good. All right. Well, well everybody's talking to you tomorrow. I know. Happy Monday, everybody. Have a great week. And um, we hope to have you guys on tomorrow. Have a great week. All right. Bye, Crystal. Bye. Bye.